0: That's a special memory for Justin Ross. Came here to have surgery done by one of the best in the country, and obviously, oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! The pitch is picked off, and it's going to be a touchdown for Servasié Dennis.
1: And welcome to today's episode of the Pipeline ACC Podcast. I am Dan Siegel from ACC Content. I am joined, as always, by Jason Gibbs. And Jason, I'm going to be honest with you. That might have been the most entertaining week of ACC football so far. First off, that Wake Forest Army game was just incredible. How about an Army team going back and forth scoring with another team and the ACC team coming out on top? Clemson and Pittsburgh, just a huge crowd, very hype. We had UVA, another huge crowd, and Brendan Armstrong being electric and a lot of scoring. How about this week of ACC football, Jason?
0: Yeah, man, it, it was great. And I actually tweeted this out earlier today. I said the ACC morphed into the Big 12 because I kind of feel like that's what that's what we have this week. You know, We have high-scoring games with... For the most part, very little defense. And, you know, uh, the Army, we, we'll get into it, you know, as the pod goes on. But the Army, I think, over-under was only 53. And Army surpassed that by themselves. And then they lose by two touchdowns. So just a crazy week. You know, lots of entertainment. Games you thought were over were never over. And it really just, it's, it's wild. I mean, it maybe hasn't the best. Most executed football in the world,
1: but it's entertaining. I also responded to you with, with that tweet. I said the contest question, one of the questions, I think it was, actually it was a tiebreaker question. It was, how many touchdowns will the ACC teams combine for passing? So, and of course, the tiebreakers are always prices right style, meaning that it's the closest without going over. And I, I haven't calculated the results yet, but I highly doubt that anybody went over.
0: Yeah, I think that's a safe bet. I think uh, you could win both showcase showdowns with, the, with that bet. Um, really, some, some great quarterback performances you know, in the ACC this week. And we had mentioned it you know, in the offseason on our award winning podcast about how the ACC is kind of QBU. And that's still kind of coming through even this year, you know, with with some of the quarterback play.
1: For sure. So we'll get to our helmet stickers. We'll do that first. We'll breeze through those. We'll talk about the games. We're also going to do a Back to the Future segment at the end of our pod where we're going to take one player from each ACC program's last year, their 2020 team, add it to this year's team based on now what we know about each team through eight weeks of the season so helmet sticker number one for jason who is it well for me i'm actually gonna go
0: a little bit off book here and i'm gonna give it to manny diaz and i'm gonna do that because the, the hurricanes have really come up short this year quite a few times quite a few heartbreaking losses and this year you know when the press asked the athletic director for the hurricanes about Manny Diaz. He basically without coming out, right. Just said he had no confidence in him. I mean, he didn't say that exactly. It just was like, Oh, he's preparing for this, you know, this week and we can't speculate in the future. Okay. That's a death sentence with that in mind, with facing all that, he goes, you know, takes on a ranked NC state team. That's been playing well. And Beats them. They hung on, you know, and, and it was a game where NC State probably should have won. But just hats off to Manny Diaz for for rallying the troops, for having the Hurricanes never quit. So gets my first helmet sticker,
1: and my first helmet sticker will go to a Miami program member as well. It's going to go to Tyler Van Dyke, the quarterback. Remember when we were doing the preview podcast for this week and. We both were kind of skeptical of Tyler Van Dyke's comments. He said something along the lines of, well, we have had no problem with NC State before. They haven't been able to stop us, and I don't see that changing this week. We were very skeptical of it, me and you both. And Tyler Van Dyke completely backs up his talk. He walks the walk. 25 for 33, 325 yards, four touchdowns, made several big throws when necessary. And like you said, Miami on top of NC State, 31 to 30. Yeah, exactly. You know, it was,
0: I might've been, I might've gone Miami on my picks just because it was kind of an odd line, especially when it's, I think that the line started out, Miami was slightly favored. And then that, him, I'm saying that you know, as a, it just really worried me. I thought, well, uh, it's, it's, that's bulletin board material. But man, he backed up every every ounce of it, and you know, led the Hurricanes to victory. All right,
1: yeah. What's your helmet sticker number two? Number two.
0: Speaking of uh guys really pulling things out of the fire, I'm gonna go with Wake Forest defensive back Travion Red. Now it might be odd that I'm picking a defensive back in a game that. Featured 126 points. And his stat line might not stand out on paper. Seven tackles, three solo. But he made the play of the game when a game that it just really looked like it was going to come down whoever had the ball last. Or, you know, maybe a team goes for a two-point conversion. The situation was uh, Army is uh, down 35-28 but driving. They get to fourth down. They run a fake punt and the the punter throws the ball red intercepts it not just intercepts it runs it back 83 yards for a touchdown total game changer yet of course army didn't quit army's never going to quit you know they're going to give it their all the whole time but that opened up a 14 point lead and it really just felt in, insurmountable like sure army comes down and scores you know the next the next play or whatever but they're still down seven and army's not really a team designed to to come back from two touchdowns or more. And I, I'd really just, it was a heads up play by red. And like I said, it was, you know, great athleticism. He didn't just intercept it, intercepts it and takes it the distance. So Travion red for my second
1: helmet sticker. It was a phenomenal play, at least from army's perspective though. I don't understand the point of doing a fake punt or field goal. I really think that fake punts and fake field goals should very rarely be used because army was at the point where they could get the necessary yardage they want just through the air they have been throwing the ball well so just run a conventional play and have your starting quarterback throw the ball that's just what i don't understand but hey we're not an army podcast so we'll take it My second helmet sticker is going to go to Syracuse quarterback Garrett Schrader because he has developed leaps and bounds over the last four to five weeks. And this week he carries his team to victory basically 41 to 36 over Virginia Tech, 232 pass yards, 174 rush yards, five total touchdowns, zero turnovers, I believe. Great day for Garrett Schrader. And he has definitely been so much better than especially in the air, than week two, week three, week four kind of point of the season.
0: Yeah, I mean, at this point, Schrader and, and our guy, Sean Tucker, really quite the formidable duo, you know, one-two punch. You really just wonder, man, if, if Taj Harris hadn't kind of quit on the season and, and entered the transfer portal, they might, they might kind of have something there.
1: And if they were able, I mean, they're one and three in the ACC, but they lost three games all by a field goal. So if just better game management and whatnot, they could be three and one, four and zero in conference. We'd be talking very differently about Syracuse right now. <laughs> but uh, regardless, let's get into the games. So our first game, I guess I was pretty off base about this one because I thought that it would be. You know, a 35-10, somewhat respectable game. I didn't think Florida State had the ability to really blow out a team like this, but they did over my Massachusetts Minuteman, 59-3. to And look, I'm not here to say that this makes Florida State a much better team than I thought they were, but good for them for taking care of business. It's definitely, I don't want to say it's impressive because the opponents that they were playing, but how about this? It was not unimpressive. They were just significantly more athletic, bigger, and faster than UMass, and that was really the difference. They didn't really have to do many special things, just use their talent difference, which is what Florida State has failed to do in the past, so good for
0: them. Yeah, obviously the Knowles have had a big letdown this year, losing to Jacksonville State earlier in the year. Uh we both actually picked UMass. I think it was plus 38 and a half, something like that. I mean, it's plus a lot and the Noles covered it with ease. And, you know, I, I was earlier in the year when the Knolls hadn't won a game yet, I was thinking, man, is this going to be their only victory? Now they pulled out two in a row. So I thought, okay, maybe they let off the gas a little here, but they didn't really have to their backups and their backup backups were scoring at will. And, you know, Jordan Travis, five for 10 for 123 yards, didn't matter. It was, you know, a complete and utter romp. So, like you said, not necessarily impressive, but that's better than they're showing earlier this year.
1: So, regarding our betting contest, you took a four to two lead on me this week, meaning that you are 49 and 40 to 47 against me overall. I did abysmal in the ACC. You did pretty well. I did pretty well in the non-ACC. You did abysmal. So it turns out the ACC is weighted <laughs> heavily, which that should be the case. It's an ACC podcast. But yeah, you're 49 forty-nine, forty-seven overall.
0: Well, let, right. let me let's let's before we before we go to the next game, let me quickly say if I lose because so I took Iowa State minus seven. If I lose because that. That touchdown was called back for. I'm using a lot of air quotes here. Taunting. <laughs> if I lose the season because of that, I'm going to lose my mind because that was one of the worst calls I'd ever seen. I mean, taunting. He he led up and you know I, I don't know I don't know if you haven't seen the play definitely definitely Google it Iowa State touchdown call back which cost me seven and the cover but I, I won't get into it. We'll, we'll see if we'll see if that whining is is necessary later in the season.
1: Did they even give like an explanation for that? Cause that was terrible. Yeah. I think, I think that's what they called it.
0: Taunting 15 yard penalty.
1: But like, so, why? What did he do to taunt?
0: I, I guess he, he high stepped the last yard. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Didn't let this up. Is, didn't, didn't run as fast as he can, even at the goal line. I'm not sure.
1: This is why the, I just love that and I think this was like the 0 16 Browns season, but still Andrew Hawkins, their wide receiver, scored a touchdown and he just oh. gently placed the ball down the ground, walked like a robot back to his bench just to troll the NFL about how they gave out so many excessive celebration penalties. I thought I I posted that video because that's like priceless based on what happened with Iowa State this weekend.
0: Yeah, that, that that's true. I mean, when I saw that, I thought the refs have to have Okie State plus seven. They have
1: to. You can't convince me otherwise. <laughs> the refs are trying to keep this betting contest close. I guess that's true. I, yeah, I actually yeah. paid them off. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Um. All right. I guess we'll go to Wake Forest Army next. Seventy to fifty-six. Like you said, the over/under was fifty-three. The team that lost by fourteen covered the over-under by themselves. So Vegas, I guess it's not always right, but it was just a wild game. Sam Hartman, man. 23 for 29, 458 yards, five touchdowns. I'll tell you what, we talk a lot about Brennan Armstrong. We talk a lot about Kenny Pickett. Sam Hartman has been just a tier below them, along with Devin Leary. And he might win my quarterback of the week. I mean, he was making dimes down the field. His receivers are good, JaQuari Roberson. This Wake offense has not been held to under 35 points all year. And like I said, we talked about the Pitt and UVA offenses. Wake is right with them. And their defense might be a step above both of them. So this Wake team, despite, despite not really having that signature win, they keep winning, and that's like I keep saying, more than every other ACC team could claim. And I think that Clawson's just immune to that letdown loss. So I mean, he's just done a tremendous job with this program. So seventy to fifty-six, they got it done however they could. Props to them. I don't at this point, man. I I think it might be Armstrong one.
0: I think it might be Hartman two, and then it three. I, I no. Mean, you, you listen, listen. You can you can debate. I mean, I. I guess we could talk in – we'll see when the dust settles because Hartman's got some very tough games coming up. But that's not a knock on picket. It's more of a a bump for Hartman. But, you know, like you said, a couple things. Clawson doesn't seem to have these letdown games. And if you're an Army fan, if I told you before the game, you know, you're going to score 56 points, you're going to have 595 yards offense, 416. Yards on the ground, control the game for 42 minutes and 43 seconds. I mean, wh- what? I mean, you have to assume that you won. I mean, the line was, you know, wake minus three over under 53. Yet you you'd have had to just said, yes, I'll take that 100 times out of 100. Not only did you lose, you lost by two touchdowns. Just really an incredibly impressive performance by, uh, you might even call it dictastic performance. Um, by weight.
1: So, with that being said, you have our factoid of the day. Factoid of the day. So, I
0: just mentioned army completely controlling the time of possession. So, Wake Forest puts up 70 points in only 17 minutes and 17 seconds of time of possession. That's a point every basically 15 seconds. Really, just incredible. And there's a couple other things as far as Wake Forest, you know, uh, they were involved. Well, first of all, this game was the highest scoring ACC non-conference game of all time. And Wake Forest was also involved in the highest scoring ACC contest of all time back in 2019 with a 62-59 game versus Louisville. So, you know, one more note about points. It was also the most points for both teams ever in a game. So. 126 points were the most combined points for either team, you know, in, 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 both, I mean, in both teams' history. But really, a point every 15 seconds, that's just unheard of. And like I said, if you were Army, you'd have had to take that 10 times out of 10. But really, the Deeks just, you know, not being denied. And here's a, a, a bonus factoid of the day. The last time the Deeks were 7-0 and was 1944, I believe. In week eight, they played Duke and they lost thirty-four to nothing. I'll give you one guess who they're playing in week eight.
1: Duke and they're gonna lose thirty. No I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> hey, if they lose thirty-four to nothing, we can take back what we said just said about Clawson because that would be the mother of all letdown games.
1: Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> By the way, re- regarding Army, it's kind of weird. Like I saw some sort of modern concepts with them. I, I mentioned this when we were talking about our helmet stickers. They had a quarterback that was throwing the ball downfield with consistent con- success. Now, you could be worried about the Wake defense, but I'm just going to tell you this. This was a tr- potential trap game. Army does not match up well, or I'm sorry, Wake does not match up well against Army. And Wake, too deep, had 12 defensive players missing in- for injuries. So I'm not taking away anything from this Wake Forest win.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, you know, we, we've we talked about this. Props to Wake Forest for going on the road to play Army. You know, you think about when Army almost upset Oklahoma a couple years back. It was in Oklahoma. Army never gets these type of games at home. And, uh, yeah, okay, Wake's a step down from Oklahoma, a few steps maybe. But I just give them props. And I give, you know, it's similar to this week when UVA is going to go on the road to play BYU in the Bronco Mendenhall Bowl. So, Really props when uh, athletic team you know, athletic departments schedule these type of games and, and follow through with them.
1: I'm sure the broadcast will only mention one time that Bronco Mendes Hall used to be the head coach <laughs> at BYU.
0: Whatever the over under is, take the over. I don't even know what it is. Take the over for, for number of times mentioned.
1: That Mendes Hall coach at BYU. Yep. Mm-hmm. So next up, we've got that twelve thirty game, Syracuse defeating Virginia Tech 41-36. to Good for the Orange, finally pulling out a close game. Another close game that was played with the Orange. And another time, Virginia Tech lost a game where I believe they had at some point 95% win probability. So that's two this year. This sequence at the end of the first half, I think just epitomized both of the way these teams have been run and managed this season. So listen to this. So Syracuse has a nice run by Garrett Schrader. They get first and goal from the one. I believe there's 12 seconds left. Syracuse calls the timeout. They get set. They don't like what's what's going on. So they call another timeout. So They call a timeout after a timeout. That is their final timeout before and that all happened before they ran a play. So Schrader knows if you get stuffed, you're not going to have time to spike and then kick a field goal, so he just throws a little fade incomplete. Syracuse then runs another play. They're, all right, we're going to run a run play. This is our only chance to score because we get stuffed at the half ends. They get stuffed, but Virginia Tech took a timeout before the play happened. <laughs> so then Gino Babers is like, uh, let's just kick the field goal now. Nineteen yard field goal, doinks off the upright, no good. And the half ends with zero points on that drive for Syracuse.
0: Both teams seasons in a microcosm, I think. You know, if this wasn't the nail in the Justin Fuente coffin, I don't know what is. I mean, I can't imagine really him last in the season especially losing a game like this where you basically had it in your back pocket now longtime listeners of the pod will know that i am a big music aficionado i love music i love all types of music all eras of music i like to listen to stuff you know all the way back to the 20s sometimes and with that I, something you said kind of reminds me of a song from ben folds five i think probably in the late 90s early 2000s i think was and it was the battle of who could care less that was the name of the song this was kind of like the battle of who could coach less you know who could it was <laughs> who was going to make enough coaching errors that they kind of out coach the other coaches errors and i think your your little your uh sequence there really epitomized that you know both teams trying desperately to lose the game by by mental blunders, you know, by mental coaching errors. So, but you know, great for Orange. I, I know our guy John Eads is was excited. They're sitting there four and four. Like you said, they could have been better, but they could have been worse. Four and four. They're only two victories away from bowl eligibility. So I think that would be a, a pretty big win for the Orange, but. Really, you you just think if they had maybe if they had a different coach, how many more wins could they have? Same with Justin Puente. They just kind of taking, you know, what is it? You you pull a a loss out of the jaws of victory, the kind of the opposite saying. I felt like that's what both both coaches were trying to do here.
1: One positive thing on the Virginia Tech front before we move on to the next game. Malachi Thomas, the running back, 21 rushes, 151 yards, and three touchdowns. If they finally have a running game, that will be nice. We've talked about the passing game incompetence with Braxton Burmeister, which they actually – he was okay that game and put up 36 points, but it's kind of weird. I did not expect this game to be that high scoring, but still Syracuse wins, so that's that. So moving on to what was the – Premier game of the day, and the Pittsburgh fans showed out with a 27-17 to victory over Clemson. I think this Pitt defense has improved. Yes, Clemson offense hasn't scored against anybody, but it's good to see. Kenny Pickett has gotten the most Heisman attention from anybody in this conference. And I was actually about to, when we brought this game up, do an Armstrong versus Pickett debate, but it seems like you already have your mind set on that. It's kind <laughs> of. Weak. Armstrong obviously has the most numbers and volume, but he throws the ball more. That makes sense. Pickett might be slightly more efficient. Armstrong has more big time plays. Pickett throws fewer turnovers. Armstrong's a better runner. Pickett takes fewer sacks. I, I actually, my guy, uh, BR Designs, helped me make a. Nice graphic comparing these two quarterbacks. It's really close, but regarding Pickett, great game for him. He made some nice throws, especially that one to Addison, and then one where he was, I think it was to tastier or Mack maybe, where he was rolling to his right on a fourth down, threw a dime into the end zone. And yeah, Pitt wins 27-17. to Impressive win over the Tigers.
0: Yeah, so... You know, we've jokingly talked about Kenny Pickett all year long about him being 42 years old, and I know I've said that before. But really, you know, hats off to him for you know assessing the his draft status last year, saying, you know what, I'm going to come back, I'm going to work in the offseason. I I know he worked with uh, at the Manning passing camp, and really, you know, that coupled with you know them adding wide receivers coach, our, our guy, Coach Marion has really paid off dividends. You know, I I don't expect Kenny Pickett to come against this Clemson defense and and put up 48 points, you know, like Brennan Armstrong did. I think if you wanted to debate the two, you would say, what if we switched teams? So Pickett's on UVA and uh, Armstrong's on Pittsburgh. What would the difference be? I think that's probably the best way to compare them, you know, and, and just to kind of figure out maybe, you know, Where the advantages lie, but so really, hats off to Pittsburgh, hats off to their fans. They Pittsburgh now has the best odds of any ACC team to make the playoffs. Now they're not good odds. I think they're seventy to one, but Wake Forest isn't even listed in in those top. You know, I think top ten or so. So things are shaping up for Pittsburgh. Yes, they really, really, really like to have that Western Michigan game back, but. All you can do now is just, you know, make the adjustments and go forward. With all that ad- adulation, I guess, you know, on Pittsburgh, I think what I, I need to say about Clemson, and I tweeted this out Saturday, I think we're reaching the point where DJ William's delay is broken. I don't know if it can be fixed this year. I know was benched. I, I just don't know where it goes from here. I know, you know, it's not like a knock on him. I can't really even figure it out other than, he had some failures early and it's just snowballed. He kind of just can't get out of his own way now. I mean, that shovel pass where he threw an interception for a touchdown. That's one of the worst plays I've seen in a long time. I mean, that's a, you threw an interception on a shovel pass, not just an interception, a pick six. And I don't know. I think that's just overthinking it. You know, you, you have, he has the natural ability. One thing I find interesting is way, we turned the clock way back and we talk about the Clemson spring game. I actually said in that, in that one, cause I watched this Clemson spring game. I said, Ooh, little, I didn't look that great. And he overthrew a lot of receivers. Now I also said, take it with a grain of salt. It's a spring game, but maybe there was something there. Maybe there was something there at the time. And, and, you know, of course you can't put too much stock in the spring game, but i don't know i don't know where clemson goes i will say this if this clemson team if the defense wasn't an all-world team probably like one of the top 5 in the country obviously you know a couple steps down from georgia but clemson could be looking at one win or less i mean the games that they've won they've just squeaked by with scoring absolutely no points and you know our guy friend of the pod david hale pointed this out Owen has thrown two touchdowns to his teammates and two touchdowns to the opposition.
1: Yikes. Do you know what Gervase Dennis, the recipient of the shovel pass pick 6 said after the game in a post-game interview?
0: And I didn't see that.
1: He said, "This I didn't even scope that play out. I was just in the right place at the right time." <laughs> So that just, in other words, the way I translate that, terrible play, D.J. Uyunglele. Terrible. I don't know where Clemson goes from here either. I mean, I don't think it's just where they could hit a home run with another quarterback this year in the offseason, either a true freshman or some kind of big transfer portal acquisition. I don't think they could do that. I don't. Think that we could just assume they're going to go back to twelve and zero next year and dominate the ACC? They got to go back to the drawing board. They've got to figure a way out s to, to build back up to the top, and it'll be a multi-year process. And it, their offense is just, I mean, broken. Like there's, they their running backs aren't bad. and Their offensive line hasn't blocked poorly, but they're just stacking the box because there's nobody to throw the ball so i i think their receivers have also been a major problem because sometimes dj puts the ball where it needs to be and they just they panic they drop the ball so i think their offense just has more problems than the quarterback position and besides that it's just i don't know for an environment where they could just necessarily acquire a huge quarterback this offseason that'll completely fix all these problems
0: yeah, I mean, the only one who will come to mind would be Spencer Rattler, but you know he's been benched himself. So, you know, it's funny because Rattler and DJU were ones that kind of got bigger NIL deals. So it's like, yikes! I don't know if that's factoring in or not. I'm not saying it is or isn't. It's just kind of like uh, I don't know. But let me ask you this pointed question because I have seen it swirl around on Twitter, and I know what I know what other fan bases are hoping. Do you think we've reached the end of the Clemson dynasty?
1: Yes. But I think Dabo is a good enough coach where he could build a new dynasty. But like I said, it's going to be a multi-year process. So this current Clemson dynasty, I believe, is over.
0: You think it would be at Clemson or do you think he goes elsewhere?
1: It could be at Clemson. They'll give him enough leeway. He's done so much for the program. They'll give him enough leeway.
0: Yeah. I mean, if he leaves, it'll be on his own volition. I don't think the athletic department, unless they're – Fools would force them out, no. but it's interesting. I know it's like blood in the water with sharks, man. Other other fan bases are <laughs> popping the champagne and, and watching this crumble.
1: Let's move on, though. We've got three other games. So the first one, the another mid afternoon game, Louisville defeating Boston College, twenty eight to fourteen. I liked what I saw from the Louisville offense, not because. Cunningham necessarily played his best game. He was probably had his worst game of the season in terms of passing, but it just goes to show the value of a dual threat quarterback in college football because the run the run game is always going to be there. You're not going to have an off day with your legs. Your speed and your athleticism is there. Whether you're seeing the field well and hitting your progressions, that's varies from game to game depending on what quarterback you are. But the Malik's Uh, rushing ability was what carried them over the top, 133 yards and three touchdowns, and that's what they relied on. They were able to beat Boston College pretty comfortably because Boston College's offense is just so bad with Grossell at quarterback. So I think BC, honestly, has resorted to one of the worst teams in the conference. And Louisville keeps winning. Um, Let's see, 4-3, and their losses are to Ole Miss, pretty good team. Wake, a good team, and it was a close loss to Wake and a close loss to UVA. Who's also a pretty good team. So Louisville's definitely top half of the conference.
0: Agreed, and you know the Eagles. Well, the Eagles soaring—that is over. They have broken their wing and they are coming crashing to earth. I'm with you. They're making a run at the worst team in the conference. They started out four and zero. Now they're zero and three, including zero and three in the conference. And you just never you – n- you never got the feeling that they could even remotely make a run in this game. You know, Louisville up 21-7 to seven at halftime. It felt like, okay, the game's over. There's no way the Eagles can mount any sort of uh, offensive plan that can overcome 14 points. And they didn't. They scored seven points in the second half, but so did Louisville. You know. Cards hold a 438 yards to 266 yard advantage in total yards. It was kind of a sloppy game, four turnovers for Cardinals and, and three for Boston College. But, I mean, hats off to, to Louisville for, you know, the ga- winning the games that they should. They just probably need to try and win a couple that, that they're not supposed to win, and that could really give them a boost, kind of a shot in the arm. Their defense is playing well, and Cunningham's—I don't want to say he's managing the game; he's a little bit too athletic for that. Um, but he's
1: not losing the games,
0: so that's that's always a positive sign for you know card
1: fans. They could go out and beat Kentucky this year; that'll be phenomenal. But I don't think they will. It's a just a solid seven and five, maybe eight and four ACC team that won't compete for a conference championship. But we need those solid, bold teams to hold down the conference, so I'll take it. Next up, we've got our two-night game, so let's start with Miami-NC State, Miami 31-30. We kind of talked about this a little bit, but just a little bit more on this. This is the Will Mallory emergence game. (laughs) Only three catches for 34 yards, but we talked about him probably way too much before the season, about how he's going to be the replacement of Brevin Jordan. He was so reliable when Brevin Jordan was hurt, and he's just going to emerge this year with more experience in the program. And that obviously has not happened at all this year. He's been very, very quiet, but he caught a key touchdown. He got the game-sealing first down on third and long. Props to Tyler Van Dyke because everyone thought that they were just going to do a run play and punt it and leave it to the defense. Nope, third and 14. Van Dyke throws it past the sticks. Wide open Mallory, first down. So a letdown for NC State. It really stinks because they were looking like a solid team, and now it looks like it's just Wake's division to lose. And they – I mean, at least NC State and Clemson – and Louisville, I believe. No, Louisville already played their head-to-head. But NC State and Clemson both have their head-to-head to play. So if both of them are somehow able to beat Wake, then I that could change things. But I just think the difference between those two programs are the letdown losses. And NC State just had theirs against Miami this game.
0: Yeah, I mean, this was a game, if you're a Pac fan, you can't lose. And they did. And this is kind of the... The 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 Dave Doran Classic, you know, lose a game you should win. You're kind of feeling good about yourself. You're up to 18th in the country, only one loss, a, a a loss you probably should have won against Mississippi State early in the year. The Will Mallory Redemption Tour marches on, 34 yards and a touchdown. You're right, but really the star was Charleston Rambo, 127 yards and two touchdowns for the Canes. Uh, I've kind of been, you know. Zonovan Knight, Bam Knight, hasn't had that great of a year. I was kind of expecting a little bit more things out of him. Ricky Persons, you know, kind of taking a, a, a little bit bigger role. Leary didn't play poorly, but, I mean, it it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like he had three or four interceptions. Actually, it was, you know, turnover free. But, man, uh, you know, hat, like, like we said, hats off to Manny Diaz and company. But, Really, a a, a facepalm, big victory and, and I know as we have uh we have a quite a few NC State people in in the pipeline family, and they they were taken to our Discord, and you know voicing their displeasure about this loss. And it is true they still control their own destiny, but that's not really you, you don't want to take moral victories and losses, and that's really all they can kind of cling to at this point
1: they control their own destiny but what do they have five games left to win in order to really get get to the conference championship i don't think wake loses more than one so i don't see them winning five straight they've already done this twice this year they had that loss to mississippi state as well and the mississippi state one i think was on the offense i think this one's on the defense especially you're playing against miami who's a more defensive based team than offensively you gotta be able to stop Van Dyke, and they weren't able to do it. Yes, their run game could help out Leary a little bit and be more dynamic on offense, but I think it's it, that one's more on the defense than anything.
0: Yeah, I mean, really, Miami. We we've talked about this before. Kind of doesn't have anyone to run the ball, and, and Jalen Knighton, you know, runs for eighty three yards. If you kind of take that away, they would have been almost totally one dimensional, but. Like you said, the the Pac D couldn't even do that. So, frustrating loss if you're a Wolfpack nation, you know, part of Wolfpack nation, but really a great win if you're for the Hurricanes. Can Miami now build on that? Well, remains to be seen.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure they quite can, but hey, Vegas doesn't lie in this case because they were able to scope that one out. So, yep. Last game of the night was Virginia and Georgia Tech. The uh, Georgia Tech actually got off to a pretty early lead. I think it was either 10-0 or 14-0. Yeah, I think Virginia it was 13-0, yeah. third, All right, missed extra point. Duh. Yeah. Virginia comes marching back. I think by uh, halftime it was 24-16. to Then they end up outscoring them in the third quarter, making it 42 42- to 24 by the time the third quarter ends i think they even might have gotten another touchdown and gotten a 21 point lead but what does georgia tech do well they don't give up just like virginia didn't do against louisville and they score a touchdown onside kick score another touchdown onside kick now we're looking at a 48 40 game with just under a minute left Hail Mary ends up falling to the ground harmlessly. UVA holds on, but overall, I, I've got to give props to UVA because, yes, their special teams needs a little bit of work this week, but their offense is, once again, one of the mo- best in the country. They cannot be stopped. I, Keaton Thompson, just I think he is the lifeblood of this offense because just the, mo- the motions that they run with him in, just the deceptive kind of packages, plus the actual production he has both running and receiving. It's just, it distracts the entire defense and it allows guys like Wicks, Woods, camp Henry do, and Brennan Armstrong throwing the rock to be able to have the production that they have. So Keaton Thompson, he's also made a nice lead block on a little swing pass to Billy Kemp for the touchdown. He's might be one of my favorite players In college football. So that on offense and on defense, UVA makes a couple necessary stops. They're still not looking too good. As far as Georgia Tech goes, Jeff Sims had another one of those days where, if you look at the stat line, hey, at 300 yards, not bad, but he's just not impressing me, making too many just dumb throws and had one interception, could have easily had two if it wasn't for roughing the passer. Gibbs playing well being really explosive, I called that he would have a really long run because UVA defense loves to give those up. But overall, just Georgia Tech hasn't quite taken the strides in their program that I thought that they would at this point. Especially after their win against their big win against North Carolina after almost being Clemson. But you're in a down conference and I know you talked about how next year's gotta be Georgia Tech's year. But you're in a down conference. They got to get to six this year, and I'm not quite sure they will.
0: Yeah, agreed. You know the 48-40 final score kind is kind of misleading because this game was over. Yeah, they had a shot, ended up tying it. Full disclosure: I actually turned it off because I turned it to a different game because I was like, "Oh man, this is a blowout." And you know, Georgia Tech didn't really have that that spark in them, that life. You know, I think that kind of starts starts with Sims and. They got a little lucky with some onside kicks, sure. And it seems like Virginia is incapable of totally salting a game away. <laughs> they always got to either come back and win it or let another team back in it. Brendan Armstrong putting up other worldly numbers. You've touched on that before. You know, he's going to possibly break the record in the ACC for most passing yards. Almost had 400 yards passing. Almost had 100 yards rushing. Six. Total touchdowns. Really a you know a a great job by him. I mean, he's he's kind of carrying them because there's times where the defense can't get the stops. He's just like, screw it, I'll just score another touchdown. And that's what's happened. UVA marching on, right? Six and two, four and two in the conference. But back to your point, Georgia Tech in a down year really should have had a couple more victories than this, and they seem like they just can't build any momentum. Their schedule's not going to get any easier. I have no earthly idea what the line will be when they play Georgia. But it was kind of telling, if you watched game day, Reese Davis was touching on universities that basically owned the state. They didn't really have any sort of competition in state. For instance, Alabama has Auburn in state, and Florida State has Miami or whatever. But they talked about teams like LSU, which is basically – or, you know, as far as Louisiana, basically the only uh school that really has any sort of top tier, you know, aspirations or whatever. <laughs> and they mentioned Georgia, and he said, No offense to Georgia Tech. And I was just like, Ouch. You know, because uh, Georgia Tech is a P5 school, but they're not even considered, you know, hey, we can't do anything. We can't even be, con- we might as well be a G5 team compared to, uh, you know, Georgia. So, yeah, like we said, next year is really probably the year they're going to make strides, but I would have preferred to see them make more strides this year, and it just
1: hasn't happened. And I want to see Sims make, show signs that year three will be a year that he's a very, very good quarterback, and he's got to make a jump up year two from year one, and he's made a small jump up, but not the jump that I quite wanted to see.
0: Yeah, agreed. The, the jump from year one to year two should be the biggest, and it just hasn't been.
1: Next Saturday night, we're sending you back to the future. All right, so it's time for our Back to the Future segment for this podcast. We are going to take one player from each team <laughs> from last year and add it to their respective programs this year based on their team needs after what we know through eight weeks. And what we're, we're going to spice it up a little bit. So Jason and I both submitted our power rankings we came up with a committee power rankings based on us two combined, and we're gonna go in reverse power rankings order. All right, so number fourteen is the Duke Blue Devils, and I think they need help, particularly in their secondary. I'm gonna go with Michael Carter the second, who he's a very lone bright spot in a very bad Jets team this year, and he's now Playing corner for the Jets. He played safety for Duke. So, wherever he could play in the secondary for the Blue Devils, it would be huge to get him back. So, I'm going Michael Carter, the second for Duke.
0: Yeah. So, for 13, and we kind of alluded to this, you know, in our breakdown, we're going to have Boston College Eagles. You know, they've kind of dropped like a rock when they were probably in the top, at least in the middle of the pack, you know, four games into the season. And, I'm going to actually break the rules just a slightly, just, just tweak them only because I have a love affair with this player. And I'm going to add Phil Jokovic. Now, I know he's on the team this year, but he's obviously been injured, and that really has kind of torpedoed their year. But if you could just take this year's team and add Jokovic, a healthy Jokovic through all these games. You know, one of our, one of our uh, friends at the pod, four blocks in their Boston College account, They said, you know, with Djokovic, you have maybe you're probably like five and two or something. I think they're underselling it. I think he could be, they could be six and one, maybe undefeated with Djokovic because the offense really clicked, you know, when he's in there. You know, Zay Flowers' numbers have obviously plummeted. Jeff Halfley just hasn't had that that guy under center to be able to really run his offense. They started relying heavily on the run game. But that run game really would have opened up with Garwo and, and company if Jokovic was behind center. So just a slight tweak. I'm going to add Phil Jokovic
1: for number twelve, Miami Hurricanes. I'm going to go Gregory Rousseau because he is just a very, very, very talented pass rusher who could definitely be a huge X factor on this Miami team and make their defense even better. I was thinking maybe somebody on the offensive side of the ball, but the only guy we would really have to choose from is Brevin Jordan. And that's possible, but I think Rousseau is just so much more talented. And if that's breaking the rules because he technically didn't play last year, then I'll go Jordan, maybe Jalen Phillips.
0: Yeah. And so for 11, I had I had kind of a tough time with 11. 11, we have Florida State Seminoles clocking in. I just had a tough time because – They've, I don't, they're kind of middling on everything. And I was trying to think of a player from last year that could maybe help this year. I'm going to go with Asante Samuel Jr. You know, his first team, all ACC honors. He had three interceptions. And I don't necessarily know that it's their, their greatest you know, need, but he was at least a playmaker on defense. And maybe some of these games, I can tell you this, I don't think Jacksonville State happens if Asante Samuel's on the team. So that's at least one game. Maybe the Notre Dame game, he could, you know, uh, cover some of their guys and and really hold their hold the Irish, you know, offense down. Help hold them down. So I'm going with Asante Samuel Jr.
1: Number 10, Georgia Tech. They didn't really lose a lot at all, but the only guy, the only talented guy that they did lose was Jalen Camp. He was a sixth round pick by the Houston Texans. So nice little addition to their receiving core, which doesn't have the greatest depth in the world. So that'll be a nice target. for Jeff Sims
0: for nine I'm going with you know we're going to Virginia Tech Hokies I'm going with Hendon Hooker I mean I know Hokie fans will hate to hear this and this is probably part of the reason that's going to be the nail in Justin Fuentes coffin is you chase this guy off and you know he's going down to Tennessee before he got dinged up was really putting up some great numbers and You can't tell me in some of these close games where, you know, Braxton Burmeister just couldn't get it done to the air. You couldn't tell me Hendon Hooker couldn't be that difference maker. So, unfortunately for Hokie fans, Hendon Hooker.
1: Number eight, the Syracuse Orange. There wasn't really a lot on offense that they lost that would have been super significant. So, I'm going to go with the defensive side of the ball. And it's one of those three DBs. I'm going to go with Trill Williams just because he's super versatile. They could use him in a lot of different ways. So this team is obviously designed to play without him, but he could slide right in because of how versatile he is and play a bunch of different roles. So Trill Williams for Syracuse.
0: Yeah. Just a side note, you know, Trill Williams is obviously a great name. He's a great player. Great name. I love when, Twitter accounts will use the word trill in a kind of a funny way. They'll substitute it. (laughs) I saw one that was trill Belichick. (laughs) I just, I think those are always creative. They always crack me up. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. A little bit of a digression. For number seven, we're going UNC. I I had a, I kind of flip-flopped here because I thought about going on the defensive side of the ball, Chaz Surratt, you know, obviously he was drafted, went to the NFL. But their defense last year wasn't great either. They were giving up tons of points then. So, would he make that much of a difference this year? Maybe. But I'm I'm going to go – I'm going to kind of think backward. I'm going to say add Diami Brown. So, he went to the NFL. I'm going to add Brown to go with my guy, Josh Downs. And maybe we can just go the – UNC go the route of outscoring everyone. So, give – You know, uh, Sam Howell, another threat through the air. So I'm going with Diami
1: Brown. Number six, Louisville. I'm going to go with Tutu Atwell. I was thinking between him and Des Fitzpatrick. Des Fitzpatrick might be a more well-rounded receiver, but Tutu Atwell with Malik Cunningham was deadly, just his ability to make plays after the catch. And now with the way they use Marshawn Ford, all to also have 2-2 two, two Atwell, that would be a very dangerous offense. And might, we talked about Louisville being pedestrian 7-5 and five team, they might take that next step if they had Atwell still. So that's what I'm going with for number six, Louisville.
0: Number five, oh, how the mighty have fallen, Clemson Tigers. I think this is probably the easiest pick on the board. Some guy named Trevor Lawrence, if we can go back and add him to this year's team. Tigers currently at 4-3 and three and dropping like a rock. They've been in every game, and I just would have a hard time not thinking that Trevor Lawrence couldn't win one, two, maybe all three of those games that, they, that they've that they lost. So Trevor Lawrence, the easiest pick in this exercise.
1: 100%. Number four, NC State. This was also a pretty easy pick because they only had one draft pick last year. And it was Aleem McNeil, the defensive tackle, nose tackle. He is just a huge disruption in the run game, he completely could sh- just had the ability to shut it down himself. Also, a very good pass rusher from the interior. And they have some solid guys, Corey Durden uh, in specific, on the d- in the interior of the defensive line. But Aleem McNeil is just more special talent than those guys.
0: So for number three, I'm going you know, with the UVA Wahoos. And our guy, Charles Snowden, linebacker, you know, he had the height, the length to disrupt the passing game. He could cover backs out of the the backfield. An athletic guy. Virginia's had kind of subpar linebacker play at times this year. You know, uh, the 71-yard run, I think it was 71 yards, to uh, Jameer Gibbs in the game is a perfect example. Once he got past the line, there was just nobody going to really be able to catch him or tackle him. So I think Charles Snowden with that kind of athleticism and that build really could help the uh, the who's
1: out. Number two, the Pittsburgh Panthers, I think they're pretty set offensively, so I look to the defensive side of the ball. How about DeMar Hamlin? He was kind of that lifeblood of that secondary, the safety, and he was just very good at anchoring defensive backfield, preventing big plays on most occasions. Uh, occasionally coming up with a big interception, good open field tackler. So, Demar Hamlin would be huge for this pit defense this year.
0: And just like we predicted at the beginning of the season, after seven weeks, our top power ranked ACC team is the Wake Forest Tastic Deacons. I'm going to go with Boogie Basham. I think we've we their offensive uh, prowess has well documented at this point. But, but give me a guy like Boogie Basham on the defensive line. Finished fourth in school history with 35-and-a-half tackles for loss. We just got to finish talking about how Army kind of ran roughshod over them. And they could use a guy on the defensive line that could make a play, maybe stop the running back, maybe stop the bleeding, get a good sack, strip ball, whatever it takes. But wait with a little bit more stout defense, you know, the ceiling is the roof uh, or i guess i should hold that for unc but yes the a much higher
1: ceiling but boogie basham is my last pick that would complete that way forest defensive line cuz you have luigi on the other side then you have miles fox foreshadowing in the middle so that would be huge but i just thought that was a pretty fun exercise to just look back jason i'll give you credit for that one you brought that one to my attention and <laughs> I liked it. It was a good one. So hope you guys enjoyed. Please subscribe to our podcast. If you haven't already, leave us a five star review. If you've liked what you've heard. And of course, join our discord to join in the conversation that we like to have in the be- during weeks and also just in between them to pass some time. So with that being said, we'll actually link the discord to the uh, podcast episode description And with that being said, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Pipeline ACC podcast.